excited over the next couple of weeks to go over a brand new series of messages uh, entitled Cherish. It's for those that are married, those that are anticipating marriage for single, single again. The principles will be applicable to any situation that you're in. But it's different than loving one another. There's a lot written about love and respect for each other. There's, in fact, there's hundreds, even thousands of books, how to love and respect. Cherish, however, takes on a whole nother meaning in a relationship and often is overlooked. In fact, in many wedding vows, you'll hear vows say, I love and respect and cherish or honor one another. Yet it's often, often missed out on many, many relationships. Cherish is the pathway to vibrancy. Love, you privileges that you come with that or come in an unconditional way. The word cherish not only says I love you, but it says I get to love you. And our daughter, Hannah's wedding in December, there was a song that she had chosen for the candle lighting ceremony. And the words really capture, I believe, what it means to cherish someone. It says, I get to love you. That takes on a whole different meaning. So just listen to the the words in this song and let them resonate in your heart and let them just play out in your life.
gift it is love sometimes feels like an obligation I have to and if you treat your marriage and your wife or husband that way it can turn into almost a thing that you do out of duty love is unconditional and it is something that we do for one another yet cherish takes on a whole different meaning. And I'm telling you, many of your marriages is missing this. Cherish says, I get to love you. It's a privilege. It's a joy. It's a delight. In fact, Webster's Dictionary defines the word cherish this way. Just listen to some of these definitions. To go out of your way to notice someone. To Go out of your way to appreciate someone. To go out of your way to honor someone. To go out of your way and to hold someone dear to you. Cherish says, not that I have to love you, but I get to love you. What a gift that is. What a joy that is. It changes your countenance. You don't sit around with a sad face. You wake up every morning and say, it is a privilege that you are my bride, that you are my groom, and that we have this awesome opportunity to cherish one another. So what does it mean to cherish? How does that play out? The best way to describe it is is picturing this, if you can. Suppose you have a car that you really like. It's one that you've poured everything into and you spent hours and sometimes more time in that and you did your wife and you, you cherish this vehicle and there's a car show at a, a local fairgrounds and you know that you've, you've placed your entry in, it's your chance to show your car. So what might you do in preparation for that? You would probably go out and wash it. You would probably go out and clean off the engine. You would probably shine up the wheels. And if it has some white raised letters, you might even take a toothbrush and make it very clean. You would wax it up and you would put a cover over it waiting for the day that you could take it to the car show. And on your way to the car show, you would make sure that you didn't drive through potholes. You would make sure that the road wasn't dusty. You would make sure that it wasn't raining out and you would make sure that you didn't run through any puddles so that when your car arrived, this vehicle that you cherish and as you pulled it into your slot, it was ready to be showcased to everyone else. And if you've ever been to a car show, You'll watch men or women bring their vehicles or their trucks. They pull them in and then they open up their trunks or maybe someone came with them and they pull out a a canvas chair and what do they do? They sit right down in front of their vehicle and say, this is mine. And they sit there with a grin on their face and all through the show, people come by and what do they do? They look at their car. And they look like this because they dare not touch it. Because
because you have labored over it. You have worked hard to clean it and to make it shine. And someone walks up to your vehicle and what do you do? You begin to talk about your car. I mean, from the 327 engine, the 375 horsepower, to the rock cruncher transmission, to the four-barrel Holly carburetor, to the Kragers and the dual exhaust. I mean, you know it inside out. And they all stand there and they say, wow. And you just wait for the wows. And you sit back down and someone else comes up and say, And as you leave that car show, there is a grin on your face. Why? Because that's mine. I get to have this car. And I want everyone in the car show to know that my car is the best. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing with your wife? Your husband? Do you showcase them? Sure, you love and you're faithful and you're committed to your vows and you're going to be there till the end. But do you really cherish them? Do you go out of your way to care, to love, to nurture, to shine, to brag on, to let the world know it is a privilege to have her. It is a privilege to have him. I can't love them. You know, in many ways, that's how God sees us. There were a group of people called the Israelites that weren't very lovable. In fact, The Bible gives us a clear picture of their condition. And yet God shows that not only does he love them, he cherishes them. And how did he do that? Grab your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 16 and I'll show you. Ezekiel chapter 16. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. If you found the book of Daniel, go one book left. It's Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 16 and... And we're going to read verses 1 to 13. I want you to look at the condition of this bride, this wife of God, known as Jerusalem, Israel. And and, and then I want you to see what happens after God cherishes her. Stand with me and we're going to read it together. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. We'll read through 14 too. Let's read it together. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field. For on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. 
You grew and developed and entered puberty. Your breast had formed and your hair had grown, yet you were stark naked. Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. I clothed you with embroidered dress and put sandals of fine leather on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. And I put a ring in your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were of fine linen and costly fabric and embroidered cloth. Your food was honey, olive oil, and the finest flour. You became very beautiful and arose to be a queen. And your fame spread among the nations on account of your beauty. Because the splendor I had given you made your beauty perfect, declares the sovereign Lord. You may have a seat. Beautiful picture. Incredible picture of an illegitimate group of people. Not only picked up and cleaned off and dressed but polished and and now splendorous before the crowds and their fame is spreading. Why? Because God chose to cherish this very, very rejected group of people. Here's what I know cherish does. Cherish turns our marriages from obligation into delight. And here's what I know from, from living in this world in my own personal relationship with my wife, That if you don't cherish, then your relationship will go into maintenance mode, survival mode. And you will fall way short of experiencing vibrancy, joy, and life. So much is written about love and respect. Very few and very little is written about how to cherish your spouse. And I would say this, that cherishing is the most neglected part of our wedding vows. And we find here in Ezekiel chapter 16, Israel is found in ruins. God reached down to this bloody baby who still had their umbilical cord attached to him because the parents said, I don't want you. And Israel is represented as an unwanted, an illegitimate, a group of people that no one wants, not even lovable. And there's this picture here that God reaches down, cleans her up, dresses her, puts necklaces and earrings and nose rings in and gives her fine linen and all of a sudden takes this ugly, people would say, why are you even spending time on them? They're worth nothing. And now elevates them before the world and says, wow, look at the beauty of that bride. God didn't cherish her because she was lovable. But she became lovable because God cherished her. It's the same way in marriage. There might be times you don't feel like doing it. But when you do it, the benefits are off the charts. Look at her condition again. Verse 3 and 4. Her umbilical cord wasn't even cut. She wasn't clean. She was useless. Verse 5. No one had compassion. She was thrown out in the field. In fact, in ancient history during this time, parents would cast off their unwanted children and simply throw them out into the fields 
hoping that they would just die. And then in verse 6, God says, I saw the blood, the hopelessness, the unloved body, people group, the baby. Many would despise and left her alone. Yet it's as ugly as it can get. It's a heartbreaking picture. But then the text says in verse 6, he says to this group, live, live. You have a chance to come from here and to grow and become what I intended you to become. And in the armpit of nothingness, God spoke life into Israel, his bride. In fact, he cherishes her. I want you to look at verse 7. I want you to look at how many times the word I appears and how many times a verb follows that and how God shows the cherishing ways in his response. Verse 6, then I pass. Then it says in 7, I made you grow. In verse 8, I passed by. I looked at you. I spread the corner of my garments. I gave you solemn oath. Verse 9, I bathed you. Verse 10, I clothed you. Verse 10 says also, I dressed you in fine linen. Verse 11, I adorned you. I put bracelets on you. Verse 12, I put a ring in your nose. And then it says in verse 14, I had given you your beauty perfect, declares the sovereign Lord. He spoils her. That's what cherishing does. It nurtures, it adorns, it spoils It says, you're the most important thing in my life outside of God. You're the most beautiful thing in this room. And when you walk into the room, I want everyone to know that, guess what? She's mine. He's mine. And it is a privilege I get to love you. Let me ask you a question. You feel that way? (sighs) Got to put up with this. And there might be moments, but cherishing has this concept of, It is an incredible privilege that we are a married couple. It's not holding on to the past and it's not looking at their present faults and they say they didn't do this and why are they doing that and how come they said that? It's saying, you know what? It's just a privilege that you're breathing today. That's what Cherish does. I love this passage. It reveals what can happen to dead marriages if we breathe life into them. You see, when you know you value something, you cherish it. And we have many things that we cherish in our lives. And sometimes people look at it and say, why would you find value in that? It's because something attached itself to that, a memory. There's value attached to it because it's meaningful to you. And in a relationship with each other, there's value attached and it should be meaningful for you. And there are these things in our lives that we cherish. And they shouldn't be the level at which we do with our brides, but we cherish, or our husbands, but we cherish them. Let me explain. I have this stuffed animal here that probably doesn't mean anything to you. His name is Shizmo. And you're saying, how did his name become Shizmo? 20 years ago, one of my first missions trips to Cambodia, I wanted to leave Anne something behind that she could hug while I was away. So I ran to the department store and found the cutest, biggest, most squeezable stuffed animal I could find. By the way, she's just having some fun. She keeps the Spartans, go Spartans on here. I love my bride. But I had planned ahead of time that I would go get this and 
She came with me to the church and we left. And before I left, I went into the bedroom. I opened, pulled back the, the, the blankets where I normally sleep and I put Shizmo in there. And so when she came home that night, there was a bump in the bed with a note that says, my name is Shizmo and I'm here in place of Jim. Now, the thing probably cost me 20 bucks, but my wife loves Shizmo. <laughs> Why? Because there's a memory attached to this. There's value. It said, Jim loves me enough that he didn't want me to be alone in bed at night. And the truth is, Shizmo could do nothing for her. But it's valuable. She cherishes this. I asked her also, is there anything else that you have value? She said, yes, Jim, I do. And by the way, I've been very, very careful. And I just almost dropped something else on it. And it made me go, woo. This is something that's my wife's that she would cherish. She even put bubble wrap between the glass because she knows how I carry things. <laughs> but this is a candy dish from her grandma's house. Grandma Sterner that's with the Lord. And as my wife would travel from Michigan to Pennsylvania, that's where her relatives are from, each summer they would go to grandma's house and there would always be fresh candy in here. And, and Grandma Sterner would fill it up and Anne will tell the stories that there was never a time that, the, that it wasn't full. And, and she knew that when she went to Grandma Sterner's house, that on the table, and she said she would think about that candy as a four or five-year-old kid. And so when my grandma passed, this is what my wife wanted. Why? Because there's value, a memory. And to you, you're like, it's a dish. But to her, she cherishes it. As I was thinking about things that I cherish or value, I pulled out this golf bag with these golf clubs. Now, to you, it might not mean anything. And you might say, man, that's an old bag, isn't it, Jim? And it is. In fact, I've taken some plastic and had to run some screws in it. In fact, when I play golf with it and when I put it down, I have a brand new bag. But I carried this one. And I took my clubs out of my new bag and put them in this bag. And every time I put it down, I got to put my leg out because it doesn't work correctly. And you know why I value that? It was my dad's. And when we played golf together, my dad would carry this bag. And when my sons and our sons played golf together in, in Michigan, and dad would carry this bag. So I have memories of him carrying this bag. It's valuable to me. In fact, you probably wouldn't carry it because when you walk, the actual standing legs hit against your leg. But every time it hits, I'm grateful for the relationship I had with my dad. And the truth is, one day I'll retire it, but I probably won't throw it away. It'll probably end up in a closet somewhere. Why? Because I cherish the memories of the man. Cherish. Places value on your bride and on your groom. Why? Because they're yours. They're no one else's but yours. And as God looked down at this group called the Israelites, he says, you're valuable to me. And he brought life from the ashes. You see, way too many marriages breed death. Death to a spouse's identity. Death to peace, fun, joy, and life. 
Why? Because we don't cherish. We keep remembering what they're doing. You didn't do this for me. Why didn't you do that? And you're hanging out here and you're hanging out there. Instead of seeing all the 10 things they're doing well every day, we hold on to that day what they're not doing to our approval. Cherish. In a recent survey done by a a Christian counselor who counsels in marriages, he asked his questions among husbands. The question was this. Two of them. First one was this. Does your wife love you? And the second question was this. Does your wife like you? The first question, the whole room raised their hand that their wife loves them. And the second question, only 10% of the men said their wives liked them. In fact, in one setting where he was with seven men who were, who were influential leaders in our world, he asked that question. All seven raised their hand, yes, my wife loves me. Not a single man in the room raised his hand that my wife likes me. You see, like means to cherish. Love is done out of duty. A cherishing marriage says to its partner, live, come alive and grow. Be all that you can be. Let vibrancy reign. This is one spoiled bride here because God dresses her up. And then everyone looks at her and says, wow, look at God's bride. God not only only dressed her lavishly, but he fed her generously. He indulges her, he nurtures her, and he adorns her. And it leaves people saying, as they watch couples, this question, what does she see in him? Or, what the, can you believe the way he, he adores her? What does he see in her? It's this nonsensical love of God that says, you are laying in a field in the armpit of sin and destitute, yet I love you. I cherish you. It is a privilege to have you by my side. That's what cherishing says. Every time I drive down to Winona Lake, Indiana, I think about that. You see, I was there in the days when Winona Lake had the Billy Sunday Tabernacle with that mushrooms this big in the, on the floor. I was there at the place where Billy Graham preached. I helped clean out the Billy Sunday Tabernacle. Our graduating class from college was the first graduating class to graduate after they tore it down. I was there when there were buildings dilapidated and torn down and condemned. And then there was this man who led a group of other men by the name of Doug Wilcoxon. And he looked at this Winona Lake. And she was in utter ruins. And he said, but if we just took time to adorn her, dress her up. If we just took time to let her live again. She could be what she was in the glory days when Winona Lake charged admittance to walk into this place. And he did that. And so today you go there and you'll see the boathouse and you'll see these houses that have come alive and you'll see these coffee shops and and you wonder how did it get there? There was a man that believed that if he cherished these old buildings... That if he cherished this property and he breathed life in it, that she could rise from the ash. That's what cherishing does. And in verse 14 says, your fame spread because of this. 
You see, if a marriage is demonstrating God's character, then you will experience intense, enthusiastic transformation. Because of your splendor, I have given you, your beauty is made perfect. What's the word splendor? The word splendor is because of the shine I've given you. It's us taking something that we care about. It's taking that vehicle and being ready at every chance. Maybe it's your truck. Maybe it's your bike. Maybe it's your Harley. It's, it's daily taking your cleaning detergent and your super protectant. And it's, it's your tire shine and wax. And it's coming up every morning and seeing your spouse and saying, here, let me clean that up. You are precious to me. Wow, look at that. It's every morning getting up and speaking life and saying, look at my bride. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for doing that. I love you. It's, it's every day of their life just cleaning and waxing and shining and sitting down for the day and say, I get to spend the day with you. That's cherish. Instead of pointing out all the faults and holding on to all the pain from the past, saying, you are the most precious thing in my life outside of God. Cherishing is a delight for our God, and it can be for us, too. Now, let me explain the difference between love and cherish in case you wonder what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 gives us a picture of what love is. The Song of Solomon gives us a picture of what it means to cherish. Listen to the differences here. Gary Thomas, who has been very helpful in this study, wrote a book in regards to this. But listen to the difference here between love and cherish. Love is about being gracious and understanding. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says love is patient and kind. Love is about being gracious and understanding. Cherish, on the other side, is about being enthusiastic and enthralled. Song of Solomon 4.10 says, How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice? In other words, you're saying nothing compares to you. It's breaking into a song when you see your spouse day after day, hour after hour, week after week, year after year, month after month, and singing to them, you are so beautiful to me. Can't you see? <laughs> That's what cherishing does. Love tends to be quiet and understated. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, love does not envy. It does not boast. Cherish, however, boasts loudly and boldly. Song of Solomon 5.10 says, My beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. Can you imagine, men, if your wife woke up and said, You are radiant and ruddy, baby. Boldly proclaiming, standing, sitting on the front porch on her swing and telling everybody that comes by, he is radiant and ruddy. That's what cherishing does. 
And you want everyone else to know that he's yours or she's yours. It's the wife that says, have you seen my man? It's the husband that says, she's my girl. <laughs> it's the man that says, she's my bride. It's, it's the wife that says, he's my guy. It's the woman that takes time to brag on her husband on social media. Her, her husband. Not, listen to me, ladies. Enough of the kids. <laughs> Tell your husband in the world. Love says, I know I loved him. I told him I did it the vows and I will till the end. And I'll be there. Cherishing says, I get another day with him. Ladies, please listen to me on this. You can never brag about your man enough publicly. Never. I'm telling you. Anna and I have been married for 30 years, and there has never been one time when she said something nice about me, and I said, baby, that's enough. <laughs> it's like, yes, um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love reading posts about other people, but when my wife says something about me and tells you, That's cherishing. Seriously, you'll post about all kinds of stuff. Tell them how wonderful your kids are, how wonderful your job is, how wonderful your flowers are, how wonderful your car is, how wonderful your vacuum cleaner is, how wonderful your oils are. What about your man? What about your woman? Cherish says, look what I get to wake up to every morning. In fact, you might go so far as to do this. When you really cherish someone and care about them, when you're in conversation, wherever you're at, it's that lady that always comes, the bride, who comes and always lifts her husband up. It's like you're going to Electric Brew, and she reaches into her purse. she got everything else in there. And she reaches in, and she puts down a picture of him. <laughs> she carries a 5 by 7 And as you eat, you're looking at him. You're like, what up? He's mine. I get to do life with him. I, I get to do life with her. Like, and maybe she carries it with her. Like, oh, no, I got to hear about him again. And let me tell you, if your husband hears that you are speaking about him in public places for good, he feels valued and cherished. Love thinks about others with selflessness. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. Love is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. So it thinks about others with selflessness. Cherish, however, thinks about its beloved with praise. Song of Solomon 2.14, your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. It's the husband saying, I'm a blessed man to have you by my side. Love doesn't want the worst for someone. 1 Corinthians 13.6 says, love does not delight in evil. However, cherish celebrates the best in someone. Song of Solomon 1.15. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. 
It doesn't point out the faults. And some of you men are holding on to faults today. You're not in approval of how she's doing something and you keep reminding her and everyone else. Why not when you're in your presence tell them what she does well? That's what Cherish does. Love puts up with a lot. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love always hopes, always perseveres. Cherish enjoys a lot. Song of Solomon 5, 16 says, his mouth is sweetness itself. When's the last time your wife told you that? Baby, I love your lips. He is all together. It's when your wife says, you know what? You're looking good. I don't care what anyone else says. You got guns. Let me tell you, ladies. You tell your man he's got guns, he'll run through a brick wall for you. (laughs) Your smile, baby, honey, it lights up the room. Tell your wives that. And when you walk, honey, Cherries enjoys a lot. Ladies, hear me. I'm speaking from, as a man. What a man would enjoy. I'm a pretty normal human being. I'm not like super spiritual in any way. I just love Jesus. But let me tell you this. Your man wants to hear from you that he's a stud. <laughs> and not a two by four. Am I right, guys? And let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. You might have your own way of saying that, but as, as much as we might not admit it, we love it when you say that. And we feel valued and cherished. Cherish or love is about commitment. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 through 8. Love endures all things. Love never ends. That's what love does. It never bails out. It never stops. It never ends. Cherish is about delight. Hear me, hear me. And passion. Your name is like perfume poured out. It's Song of Solomon or Song of Songs 1, 3. Cherish says, Jim, turn on some Rod Stewart music and set the mood. I love you. Cherish turns on Rod Stewart because it's a favorite songs of Ann and I and one of the songs is have I told you lately that I love you listen to me let me ask you a question do any of you have like special music that you play or is yours like well I like ACDC Highway to Hell <laughs> hear me out I won't get you anywhere <laughs> but seriously passion in a relationship Guys, cherish them. We love Rod Stewart love songs. By the way, they're great. You can think about that what you want. They work for us. <laughs> Cherishing moves us from loving someone to showcasing them. You know, you brag on your cars, you brag on your trucks. Holy cow, you guys brag on your flags and your dogs. And you brag on your guns. 
Or you brag on your shoes. But do you brag on your brides? Do you think your wife wants to spend eternity with you if all you're doing is you look like you're dead? And when you're in her presence, all you think about is all she's not doing? What if you treated her like you do your most valuable vehicle? Ladies, you have no idea how your man will come to life when you showcase him too. Placing your spouse in a glass case, making an exhibit of them, ooing and eyeing over them. And charging admission for anyone to see them and know them. And you might be saying, And if you're doing that, guess what? I bet she's cherishing him. Gary Thomas said this in regards to romance. He said, romance is fickle, unpredictable, and fragile. It comes and goes without warning, sending both partners on a furious chase to recapture the spark. Cherishing expressed by showcasing is deliberate and intentional And it provides a consistent path to ever-increasing marital intimacy. You see, cherishing celebrates the best in someone. There was a recent statistic that showed that in most marriages, there's a 10 to 1 ratio. A man or woman can do 10 things right, yet most marriages hinge and hang on the one thing they did wrong. You could do 10 things right in a day. And if you're not bringing that to light, cherishing your partner, all that you'll remember is the one thing you did wrong. And so cherishing doesn't become a part of your marriage relationship. Some of our spouses might not even realize they have a good side. It's your job and joy to help them discover it. Very few, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Very few marriages would ever end in divorce if couples chose each day to make their first comments be, how can I support you today? How can I make your day better? How can I cherish you today? I wish we treated our brides like we do our sports teams. Seriously, think about it. For instance, think about Chicago Cub fans. In all seriousness. Exactly. If I said that about your husband, would you say, woo? Think about it. You went almost 100 years before you won a championship. And it was fun cheering on the Cubs. But think about Cubs fans. They never stopped wearing their hats. They never stopped wearing their shirts. They never stopped going to Wrigley Field when it was snowing, windy, and raining and sitting in the stands when their team was 25 games under 500 and cheering them on. They never stopped cheering and supporting and saying, <laughs> Cubs. Never stopped. In fact, most of you in your lifetime went every year and by the time May used to roll around, you used to say, Wait till next year. (laughs) Yet not one time did you ever waver on your appreciation and love for the cup. 
cubs. What if, what if? What if we did the same for our husbands and our wives? What if we carried their pictures and, and when we were 50 feet under in hardship and discouragement, what if we looked out of that hole and it's stormy and snowing and you, and you wonder, what if you said, wait till next year? And we put our hat back on and said, baby, we're going to do this. If we treated our spouses like we do our sports teams, our marriages would be so different. You see, the problem is this. The more you focus on yourself and on your own needs and have a love affair with yourself, the less you will cherish your spouse. See, a lot of marriages have lost their pizzazz. Like, well, we've been married 30 years, and we don't have a pizzazz, and we had it when we were first married. You know why? Because you don't cherish anymore. People have asked us recently, Jim, what's it like now that you're kind of empty nest, and, you know, two of your kids, one's married, and the other one bought a home, and one's in college. Like, what do you do now that the kids are gone? We do the very same thing we did when we first dated. Now it's just us again, and we really like it. Like, we didn't wake up and say, oh, crap, what's next? <laughs> I love my wife, and hopefully she knows that I cherish her because she does cherish me. You know, what if we treat each other like God treated Israel in the book of Ezekiel? There's indicators as to whether or not you are cherishing your spouse. Psychologists and sociologists and Christian counselors have this list. And these are symptoms of someone who doesn't feel cherished in a marriage relationship. And I'll read them to you. I don't want you to raise your hand or elbow your husband or wife. Just, just listen to them. Your mate gets discouraged easily. Does he? Does she? Probably because she doesn't feel valued. Your mate lacks confidence, especially in decision-making. Maybe because the last time you made a decision, she didn't like it and she told you so, or you told her so. Your mate has difficulty admitting he or she is wrong and always needs to be right. Your mate is critical of others. Why? Because they don't feel valued. And if they can tear someone else down, they can pack themselves up. And so they're critical of others. Your mate is self-critical. I'm not good enough. I could never do that. The last time I tried, he said this, she said that. I'm not fast enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not even going to try I have this fear of failure. I'm not going to join that group of men. I'm not going to join that group of ladies because the last time I did it, I failed. That's self-critical. Another characteristic, your mate indulges in escapism. They might show up on a Sunday morning, but they're not part of anything because they don't think they have enough or good enough. And so they pull away. They sit in front of a TV and they shut the world out 
She runs, he runs, because they don't feel valued and cherished. You see, cherishing validates others. It's saying when your bride walks into the room that you are the most important woman in this room. It's saying when your bride speaks, you put down your phone, you put down your pen, you turn off the TV, and you listen intently. You look her in the eyes and you say, I care. You don't speak back and give suggestions. You just listen and you make her know that what she is saying is the most important thing you heard all day. That's what cherishing does. God help us. We have the chance, Lord Jesus, to take our marriages from maintenance mode and duty to knowing that it is a privilege to love someone. So God, I pray that you'll shape our hearts. I pray that you'll soften our hearts. And I pray that our hands and our feet and our mouths would breathe life into each other. We love you, Jesus. And we are so grateful you did that for us. And you said, live. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next week.